Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover, step back. Right here on 960theref.com. All right, this is episode number 179 of the Crossover Podcast. David Johnston from The Morning Show, Jeff Dantzler from The Home Team. Thanks so much for joining us, and we do appreciate you spending a little time with us every week. And uh, tell everybody that uh, you can find us in the App Store with your iPhone and Google Play with your Android. All right, it's Thursday afternoon as we record this. What is today? March 18th. Jeff, how was your St. Patrick's Day? Well, the the pharmacy fraternity house across the street from our place had a great time <laughs> last night. I can tell you that. So well, that's good to know. They were all agreed. But yeah, love St. Patrick's Day and uh, just, just moving right along. And I know what we're so excited about. Boy, how about this time of year in sports? We had an awesome players championship uh, and now uh, we're inside a month uh, from the Masters, the NCAA Hoops Tournament starting up, and SEC play begins. Once again, we were right in predicting things. Those first four weeks of the season, once it gets here, it just flies by. And before you know it, conference plays on top of you. And the, yeah, the just the intensity mm-hmm. just goes up 100% as well. Uh, you, you, can, you can certainly feel it. And basically, the stress level of what you would put into an entire four-game week, one midweek or in three weekend games and non-conference play, that's all rolled into one for just one SEC game. And, uh, Dave, you made a great point uh, when Georgia pulled out that 12-inning affair this past Sunday against Lipscomb. It, it was an awful ninth inning for Georgia, both in the field and at the plate, uh, but the dogs survived it and won an extra innings. And you said – you know, an inning like that in the league can absolutely cripple you. I mean, that that you know could make the difference over whether you win a series, whether you get swept, whether you sweep. And we all know how precious those wins and, and how hard they are to come by in those 30 SEC games. So yep. hopefully we got all that stuff out of our system last Sunday because you're exactly right. And, and we've been through it. We've been on both sides of them. When you're on the, the, the southbound side of, of a loss like that, when one gets away – it's debilitating, and it's hard to come back from it. And I know it, it, there's a lot of new faces, mm-hmm. and there's a ton of guys that I think are going to be really, really good in the league, but just young right now. And you walk a couple of batters in the SEC to start an inning, and you're going to pay. And even like uh, Ryan Webb, we saw him, I guess it was in the Saturday game, mm-hmm. he walked the leadoff man in three out of the first five innings, and the uh, the other team didn't score, but – that that's going to be tough to do in conference play it, it sure will and that's another great point there so some of the things where you feel like and every team goes to this obviously where you feel like you've been living a little dangerously you will get exposed so that's the big thing you have to play clean and when you look at what the dogs did last week in four games it went a total of well, i guess 39 innings um didn't make an error 
and that was huge. That that'll that's keep been you, the big it, difference maker right now. It it has been, and that will keep you in a lot of games. Uh, but but the league, it's always good, but it's just extra good this year because of what happened with the draft. We've talked about it a bunch, but just having five rounds, a lot of guys came back. A lot of players went to college who might have in another year gone on and played pro ball, and it just so happened that Georgia was the team, the way the classes shook out, that lost the most players. When you're talking about guys like Hancock yeah. and Wilcox and, and, and Cam Shepard and Tucker Bradley and Patrick Sullivan. So it was just one of those kind of fluky things that, that no doubt Georgia's the team that lost the most firepower. But I'm, I'm proud of this bunch, the way they played. Uh, I, I know you talked to Coach Kitty, and he told you these freshmen are going to be the death of me here. Mm-hmm. But you got some high highs and some some low lows. But we're going to have to ride with a lot of those guys. It's going to be fun watching them grow up. And, and you know, hopefully uh, in – and I think we've got a chance to be good this year. I think really good next year. But what I would think, D.J., is in two years, this bunch, especially the pitching staff and guys like Corey Collins, will have a chance to be really, really good. And then this this bathmatic baptism by fire, yep. everybody's got to go through it. It just so happens that we've got a bunch of guys going through it at the same time. Yeah, and you know, we saw, we've seen Collins doing it all year. We got to see Parks Harbor mm-hmm. really for the first time. I know he played in the first game, then he hurt his hand and he's been out but until this past weekend we got to see him and playing third which was a, a yes. big lift there too so like you said that baphomatic baptism that fire that we're going to see from these guys there will be some some peaks and some valleys and just going to have to live through that when you've got freshmen like that but I'm, I'm really excited about the future of this team I am too DJ just a lot of really good pieces out there and just how, how the game has changed if you'd have told the two of us and say 1998 that we'd have a pitching staff with you know eight lefties (laughs) I mean just all these guys who have started and the number of guys who throw over 90 I mean it it used to be that there might only be one or two players on a team that could touch 90 and now almost everybody does and 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 that's just a testament to the growth of the game the growth of college baseball and and I think the two biggest things that happened were getting the organization of the regional and super regional because that also that that doubled if not tripled the opportunities for schools to host major events on home campuses just growing the popularity of the sport and and, and then when they went with the, the the plus minus to three so you couldn't swing a, a 38 inch 31 ounce bat so basically they got the bats right. under control and i think with that you've seen more quality pitching go into college because they know it's not going to be just game in and game out and an absolute like a, a home run fest so i think those two things together have just made the league so good and without a doubt uh, the sec has been front and center and i mean you know we see it when the dogs are good and just just the popularity of the team and of course all those schools in the west especially mississippi and beyond but, it, and, you know, just, just going back to broadcasting the games and the first game we did this year, we had people, we had fans tweet in from 25 different states that were listening. That, that's incredible. Yep. Can you imagine, because if you did that for Georgia football, you'd get every state sure, plus. Sure, sure. <laughs> how but, many countries. But that's, that's a lot. But it's just so many people that are, that are just 
interested in this and not having this last year. It's been two years since we played an SEC game. It is, and so everybody's you know, hungry. Everybody's for fired it. up for it. Tennessee coming in, and they're they good. are much improved. We knew that from a couple of years ago, and they are—they're uh, looking at this the same way we are. It's like, hey, we got to get this weekend. We need this weekend for maybe a potential tiebreaker down the road. Well, when you got six teams in the top ten. Um, and are you counting them? That's yeah. And you look at a different poll. You got but, maybe yeah, seven or eight. They're ten in one poll because Lake's got them as number ten. So you got all these teams. For the, the league made a bad decision. I think the twelve of fourteen going was a bad call. Either send everybody, I still don't get, or that. just do eight or ten. But but the bottom line is every year. And I remember talking with Coach Perno about this, and he said he and Ray Tanner, uh, when he was then the coach of South Carolina, said it's like look. Or I guess maybe he was – yeah, I guess, yeah, in 12 is when uh, – good gosh, it's been that long, hasn't it, since Missouri and A&M came yeah. in. And, and they were saying, now listen, I know you, you, don't, you don't think it's going to be you, but of the 14 teams, of the 14 coaches, two of you aren't going to make it. That's, that's just a fact. And that just – Well, makes when they were it, putting that together, I wonder why they I couldn't just know. come up with a way for every, every because team it's to embarrassing. go. It's, it's embarrassing if you're not one of the two, but, but it's like – it doesn't mean you're you've got a bad team, but it's I mean everybody in the league is good, but yeah. there are only twelve spots. So you know this this could be one of those you know for the you know if somebody gets swept this weekend, I think as you dubbed it a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. you know you're immediately going to be on that that twelfth place shuffle watch. So it's it's and it's here, very and just the spots this year are going to be so hard to come by. And here's the schedule for this weekend. Now, again, we're recording this on Thursday, but tonight Texas mm-hmm. A&M and Florida are playing in Gainesville. So certainly looking forward to watching some of that. You've got um, Mississippi State at LSU. I guess that would be the one I would call maybe the marquee, marquee series of the weekend. Not that the other ones are bad, but Alabama at Arkansas, Auburn at Ole Miss, South Carolina at Vandy. Although five years ago, ten years ago, oh. that's the one you'd be talking about, I guess. And then there's also Missouri at Kentucky. And by the way, that's a big one for those two teams. You, you bet it is. Kind of what we were talking about. If somebody gets swept there, yeah. they are on notice. Yeah. And I think you might have brought this up. Tyler brought it up on the on the home team that I think that Mississippi State LSU series like tickets are going for around two hundred dollars. Oh yeah, Logan and I looked that okay. up. Okay. Yeah. And it's incredible. It really is. I mean, I know I've seen our tickets going for a hundred. <laughs> or mean, it's, more. Yeah. Or uh, more. The interest is there and, and hopefully as and, the season goes along, we're gonna be able to get more fans in. I'm hoping And we that. asked Coach about that this morning when he was on with us and he said, you know, they'd love to, that you know, that is hopefully something that, you know, is gonna obviously be looked at and addressed, but you know, it's just you don't know at this point. But hopefully that's something that will certainly be able to see is you know more people in the stands yeah, no everywhere we go because the, the demand is definitely there and it's been so much fun i can't wait to get out there it's one of those great weekends too a uh, tennis the sec and i think they built in uh, a week just in case for covid stuff so the men have got two non-conference matches this week playing wake forest friday and UCF on Sunday, so that's yep. going to be another baseball uh, tennis. The women's tennis team is off. And then the, the Liz Murphy is this week out at UGA. So you're going to have, a, I think, 11 of the top 25 women's golf teams in the country are going to be in Athens. And this is just 
what we missed last year and now to, to have all this here you just yeah, I, God, I wish I could go see all of everything every day. Hey, and awesome. here's the thing, too. Coach Brewer's got three of his players that are playing in the, the women's amateur at Augusta National mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. That's fantastic. That's impressive. Yeah, very fantastic. And by the way, that was one of those that uh, on the women's calendar, that became an instant major. <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. know if it's technically classified as yeah. one or not, but – and I would imagine for women's amateurs, yes, a lot of those young ladies would tell you they would might even rather win that than the USA. I'm just to go thinking about the novelty yeah. of winning at Augusta, but that became an instant major. Well, and again, this is where Augusta gets it. They are uh, Josh Brewer told us this morning for the for the young ladies that have been here in the country and hadn't seen their family in a while because mm-hmm. of COVID. Augusta National setting it up where their parents are going to be able to come over and see them. They play the first round at a different course, so they don't – or is it the first two rounds? Maybe it's the first two rounds. But if you miss the cut and don't get to play in the final round at Augusta, you still get to play a practice round there. That's awesome. So they take care of everybody, and that's just why it's just – it's the best. It is. It's it just is. fantastic. There's nothing like it. So, DJ, I, I've been kind of polling my, my, my various golf friends – Kepka with the injury, I think you got to take him off the list. Are the top two guys now are DJ and DeChambeau, the early favorites, you think? Well, definitely DJ, defending champion, and he's not even having to wait an entire year to yeah. defend. But, yeah, I mean, with Bryson, I think absolutely. And, you know, you look at uh, – where did he finish back in in November? I'm trying to think. DeChambeau, because he won the U.S. Open, mm-hmm. and I was trying to think he, where he, he was. He wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't in the conversation. But you just got to feel like he's, so he's yeah, he's he's going to be a factor. And then what in the world is Rory doing? I mean, tinkering <laughs> with the swing, and now now to, been, yeah, and then this is the one major he didn't get, and he had it and couldn't, and he finished fifth have, in November. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, I, I, I don't get he it. Seems lost, but these guys are so good. He could come out and he could. You, you never know. know. And and it could be. I asked. I went out because we all know the TPC is the hardest tournament to pick. So I just guessed. I said, Daniel Berger. Who knows? But a guy, Daniel Berger, could have the four rounds of his life at Augusta. I mean, yeah. It Although could, it's weird, he he WD'd this week at the Honda. Well, I, I've gone supposed and to be, him. but I mean, he they said he should be playing next week at the at the match play. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's a guy I, you, you that just, you could see winning at Augusta. Masters, I keep saying Xander Shoffley's a guy. He's been that could so win close. at Augusta. He's just got to prove he can finish. I yeah. think he and Tony Finau are the two guys. Yeah. They've got the top tens and yep. the top fives, but they've just got to close it out. And the Masters, no doubt, of all the majors, has had the most chalk win. Mm-hmm. Duh. I mean, it's it's the only major that's played at the same course right. every year. Familiarity but, among the best players, the best players are probably going to win. But Larry Mize has beaten Greg Norman. Yeah. Zach Johnson, who has an Augusta National Masters and a St. Andrews British yeah. Open. Zach Johnson and Trevor Immelman won back-to-back, outdistance Tiger and Phil. So uh, Danny Willett won over Jordan Spieth. It can happen, but it is usually chalky, and I like that. Uh, Can Spieth win it? He's playing a lot better. He is. He's making putts. He He can roll it in. The thing about Spieth, though, is it's like he could win it because he doesn't have the pressure of not having won it before. No doubt. I think that is tremendous, and I know – he messed up. What year was that? In sixteen. Yeah. 
but he still he's got a green got jacket, one. and that can take the the pressure off. Well, it goes back to the, kind of a long-winded thing here. I was talking about a, a friend of mine who's a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and I said, you know, just I, I, I can relate to Chiefs fans because they were so close so many years, and especially the D yeah. Ford being offsides. And then, you know, these last two years, I've been happy for their fan base. They win a Super Bowl and got there. And I know it was tough to lose it, but I brought this up with Tyler. I'm like, if you guaranteed me that Georgia would lose the national championship game after the 2022 season, but we would win the national championship in 2021, I would take that yes. deal right now. Yeah. Now, uh, on January 10th or whatever, 2023, I'd be kicking stuff and crying like I was when Dan Marino beat us the year after we won the national <laughs> right. championship and we had a shot at another one. But but to your point there, with Spieth, as brutal as that was for him and it knocked him for a loop, and you think, God, he'd have been joining Tiger and Nicholas and Faldo, but he still got one. Well, is, is Augusta, I just started one. thinking this while we were talking about it because I'm thinking of Bubba Watson, Bernhard Longer, Jose Maria, Ben Crenshaw, mm-hmm. who've won it multiple who've times, who've won it without, twice, but haven't won another major. Is the is Augusta hundred percent? Yeah, and I just think it's because it's so hard to win that first one. But mm-hmm. once you do, it might take the pressure off of winning that second one. And all those guys you just mentioned there, Bubba, Longer, Crenshaw, uh, those play Olafable, those guys contend year after year. Heck, Longer, you know, good gosh, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I mean, he makes the cut. What is he? Sixty? He's incredible. And the guy's unbelievable. And but maybe he's like even sixty-four. Many, uh, it's or something. weird too because I'd have to just go look up his finishes in other majors, which I know he had a, a good track record, but I don't have a like he had a runner-up at, at the, British, the British. But that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. He was but, a good player at the British. Probably yeah. deserved to win one, but and he did something else. that's hard to do is he won Augusta and Harbor Town back in back-to-back back. weeks. But um, that is, and, and it is interesting though. If you do see, generally for the great players, and you brought up the British because th- there is the rota. I, I think the weather's got something to yeah. do with it. The design of Augusta National was an homage to, to St Andrews, but usually guys who play well at Augusta play well at the British Open. You think right. about Seve and Faldo, you know Watson, Palmer. Well, Jack Nicholas, he played good everywhere. What do all those guys have in common, though? They're, they were all great. They're really great. They played great golfers. everywhere. Yeah, exactly. But but it definitely, I think maybe it's more from the European angle because like Faldo and Seve combined to win eleven, and theirs were all mm-hmm. Masters, Masters and British. And British. That's true. Yeah, nothing else. But you know, other than like say Andy North at the U.S. Open, yeah, you, uh, Lee Jansen won two U.S. Opens and nothing else. I'm gonna have to do a little deep yeah. dive on this. The, the only guy, you know, the, the PGA has been the oddest one. The only guy I can think of who won two and only two and nothing else was maybe Dave Stockton. Yeah. Um, but but it's, you just don't have. It's not the numbers yeah. like Augusta where you see so many of those familiar faces. Right. Right. So yeah, it is kind of kind of strange how mm-hmm. that is, but. You know, now and like say like, oh, what about DJ? He's going for his second green jacket, but it's like, well, he also won't. He's already won a U.S. Open, so he doesn't fit that, you know, that criteria. But it still may make it easier for him to win that second green jacket because now he's got that first one and that monkey's off the back yeah, for sure. Exactly. And you know, I was thinking about this too, and just you know what, what Rory's going for, what Spieth's going for, technically what Mickelson's still going for here. Oh. Heartbreak kid, Greg Norman. Uh, two majors, two British, British Opens. But he should have had them about all. seven or eight. I know. Yeah. But, you know, just um, 
But thinking about those guys, there are a lot of play. I, I say a lot. I could probably name you seven, eight guys over the last 20 years that have had the game to win the career Grand Slam. Norman certainly did. Now, that's, that's going back. Ernie Els had the game. I think Jason Day had the game to do it. Dustin Johnson's got the game to do it. Phil Mickelson yep. does. But only five guys have ever done it. It's a darn hard. And you think yeah. how close Watson and Palmer were to a PGA championship. And, you know, Sam Snead, like Phil, had all those seconds at U.S. Opens. It is one of the – that must be on the list of hardest things to do in sports in terms of just prestige and, and accolades. That career Grand Slam has got to be on the Mount Rushmore of toughest things to do. And this year, the U.S. Open is back at Torrey Pines. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying Phil can't win it, but I think his window if he is, ever had a shot is that he's got maybe one more chance. Yeah, this and would then, be it. And then Spieth winning the PGA. Could Spieth win at Kiwa? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would say between Phil, Rory, and Spieth of trying to get that career Grand Slam, I, Jordan's got the the best chance at this point. He does. Point. And it's also, let's face it, it is, I, I love the PGA, it's the fourth most prestigious. There's le- a lot less Although pressure. Although it's my favorite. Oh, or it's, I mean, it's my second favorite. No, I love Augusta. the PGA too. Um, yeah. but, but it's also, you know, if you ask somebody, would, would you you, know, would you rather be, I know Rory's got one more major, but if the major numbers were equal, like let's say Jordan won the Masters again this year and they both had four, would you rather be in Jordan's shoes, only lacking the PGA, or Rory's shoes, only lacking the Masters? Well, that's yeah. that's a pretty easy answer. Exactly. For 99 out of 100 of guys. Course. Yeah. Of course. Plus, in years past, it's not as much anymore, but in years past, the PGA felt more like a, a regular weekend mm-hmm. on, on tour. It, I think the PGA, when Tiger outdueled Sergio in 1999, I think it has had far and away the most great finishes. Of right. any of them, I mean, oh, yeah. I, by a long shot, and and, and the Tiger and Bob May was just oh, a classic, unbelievable. I mean, even yeah. thinking about, I know they weren't big names, but even like Sean McKeel and David Tom's outdoing yeah. Phil. There have been so many yeah. great people. I mean, the one where Rory won, where, where Phil and Fowler were there in 2014. There have been so many great PGA championships. And I mean, I mean, how about Kepka and Tiger? Yeah, I mean, that was incredible in 2018. So uh, it, it is definitely delivered. And they also, the PGA of America got on board. And for a while, they were going to some eh locations. But then they started rolling in to places like Baltusrol and Wingfoot yeah. and Oak Hill. Getting the elite courses back on theirs. Elite. Elite. Has been huge. I just still, it, it baffles me that last year was the first time they'd gone West Coast since 1998. That is just mind-blowing. It's crazy. It's crazy. We like primetime golf. Yes, we do. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. So, yesterday, George had its pro day, and I always get everybody fired up, but, but this is the first podcast we've done where spring football huh. is already going now. It is. I'm excited yeah. about that. Even though we can't see it, you can't. It's like air. You can't hold it. You can't touch it. But you got to have it. But you got to have it, and you know it's there. You got to have it. <laughs> But we're uh, getting closer and closer to G-Day. So you talk about things that just get you fired up. We got spring football practice, another thing we didn't have this time last year. And I'm sure at some point over the weekend when we're out at Foley Field, we'll hear the pads, we'll hear the whistles blowing oh, yeah. from uh, from right next door. And it is uh, it is very exciting. I want to commend Eric Stokes on what he did. I, I've been a huge fan of his um, 
since he burst onto the scene. Really, his coming out party was that Missouri game in 2018 when yep. he blocked the punt and scored. But this is a guy who gets picks, who scores touchdowns, and I'm not underplaying his 40 time. But the guy won the state championship in the hundred yard dash in track. I'm like he's fast. If you win the hundred yard dash in the state of Georgia, you are fast. Yeah, there's a difference. And no offense to Montana or South Dakota, but there's a difference if you're yes. the state champion in those particular, uh, you know, in that event. I was slow and won the 100-yard dash in Georgia. Said no one ever. (laughs) I mean, just think about some of the guys we've had. Like, Miko won it, Herschel won it, Nick Chubb won it, Stokes won it. So you knew he had the speed, but he's a total package. I I think he's got a chance to to have a great career, and he only enhanced his chances. Then, you know, you go back and watch the film, and he's – the two pick sixes he had this year against Florida and Arkansas. I mean, that's – Big time playing, big time playing. So Tyson Campbell, think had a good. Yes, pr- he's slow compared to Stokes. It's just like a like a <laughs> granny in a rocker. <laughs> Although Big Ben Cleveland didn't get the uh, the bench presses he wanted, but showed some pretty good speed for a for a big guy. I had a Josh Lee, who's kind of Kirby's chief of staff, told me that the big thing a lot of coaches are looking at now, and I think you'll see it become even more and more popular and eventually more popular than 40 times is that they can do the MPH, see how fast mm-hmm. they're running at top yeah. speed. And Josh was telling me that Ben, I think it was two years ago, he got up to like 18, 19 miles an hour. And by comparison, a guy like, like James Cooks, I think he's 22, 23. Right. So you're talking about for a guy who's 340 and 6'6". Six, yeah. six, no, it's getting that's it. That's moving. That is getting it. And – you know, we were kind of looking up this morning, like, you know, kind of Ben's projected to be maybe a, a, a th- you know, he could be an early pick on the last day, something like that. These are people that know way more about it than I do. But, you know, it's just, it, it's interesting to see stuff like that because you don't think about it. Although the uh, the late, great Bum Phillips. <laughs> with, well, if it's first in a mile. If it's third in a mile, we won't give it to him. So, to Earl Campbell. So it would be the same thing with, with uh, Ben Cleveland, I guess. Well, and, and with Big Ben, I, I think he's one of those guys just for – I'm doing my air quotes here. What are uh, considered the elite uh, positions out there? And for whatever reason, offensive guard is not viewed as highly in the draft. But he's a guy who – I mean, if, if he's still got the fire and the drive and the desire – could go in the fourth round and start in the league for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of the, the same premise of one of the reasons the elite teams continue to draft late in the rounds is because they grab guys that are not at, at quote-unquote elite positions but are great players. And I just go back to think about Kansas City won the Super Bowl and they got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because running back was not a premium position right. the way the winds were blowing. So he was probably a top 10, top 15 overall talent in the draft, and they get him at 32. So good teams will get oh. running backs, offensive guards, inside linebackers, safeties late in the first round, and they're going to come in and make an impact because they're, they're great players. But like we say, all of that, you know, what's premium or not, it can all change. I remember, you know, safeties were kind of down. And then the two best defensive players in the NFL were Troy Palomalu and Ed Reed. And everybody started drafting safeties again. So it's all cyclical. It's cyclical. Yes. It, it always is and always will be. Well, anyway, those guys, um, sounds like 
it was a good pro day yesterday and the fact that again the indoor practice facility teams able to go in and practice it was they can nasty. do stuff like that yeah that would have been it would have been terrible yeah it's we bad had, for your play we had to go into that 30-yard practice facility that georgia used to have back in the day it was <laughs> nice we had a luncheon there for the baseball <laughs> alumni weekend once yeah and you couldn't punt in there because the roof was yeah it hit the roof was, but other than that yeah, it was it was, fine it was, banquet room. It was fine hey the the less miles at kansas stuff is interesting so if you were if you were Kansas, I know this always comes up. Is a Paul Johnson type coach a Munkin? Would you would you think about trying yes. the triple option if you were Kansas? Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, look at what it's done for the service academies. For as nervy as I've always been for Tech, it was tenfold with Johnson because you mm-hmm. knew that offense. You had to get ready. It was it was the ultimate equalizer. I honestly thought Vanderbilt was going to go that route. Yeah. I Thank was goodness too. they didn't. And and you know it's it, it is it's the type of thing that will give other coaches fits. Sure. But if I was Kansas, I would absolutely look at that. And and you know you're not going to be able to hire any of the service academy guys. They'd be crazy to leave to go to Kansas. <laughs> you know unless you just paid them a boatload of money. But you know, like Coach Ken or or uh, um, uh, Munkin's not going to take that. But that's where you go. All right, who's the best? Who's your next protege? But does a guy like Willie Fritz? Does he? He runs it, but is it a little bit of a variation? It is. Yeah, they throw a little bit more at it, and they run more shotgun yeah, out of it. Yeah, But I'm like, I just run that true thing where it's got the two wing backs and the two split ends. The other thing it does, if, if you're down team, you don't have to recruit tight ends, and you really only need to sign one receiver per year. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it cuts down on what you mm-hmm. have to focus your recruiting yeah. on. The problem is, though, you – you're you're gonna have a hard time recruiting better defensive players, you especially defensive are. linemen. And it's hard to practice against it's the pass. It's hard to practice. I mean, when Johnson was at Tech, one thing I always felt like we'll be able to move the ball through the air. It is just hard to simulate yeah, that. Exactly. Exactly. But on game day Oh man, it's scary. <laughs> I mean, the other team's gotta deal with you just like you gotta deal with the other team. I think that's a great great point you made up though. They the, if I were in Kansas's shoes, I would look triple option. Yeah. And for all I know, they could have done something today while we're sitting here but talking. I don't know, but yeah, it's just uh, incredible what what happened with uh, all of that. And we still have a school. I wouldn't say this is the coaching cycle. I think that ended, but somebody's going to be their head coach unless they just go interim for and, a year. And DJ, I, I think when we do this show next week, there'll be some basketball movement because it was. Oh, the, yeah. you could see late in the regular season into the turn. That's agent season for college yeah. hoops. Yeah, and like you know, we talked about with with Archie Miller being out at Indiana. That's right. a big domino. That, that is huge. Yeah, and you hear Brad Stevens' name thrown around, but it was like being the coach at Indiana now isn't the same nope. as it used to be. No, nope. it's a great job. Yes, but he's the coach of the Celtics. Yes. I know he's got the Indiana ties and everything, but still. And Purdue's really good. Yep. You mentioned Butler. <laughs> I mean, that's why. Can you imagine when Bob Knight was coaching? Somebody would tell you, like, oh, yeah, after your last national championship, you won't be back to another title game for at least 33 years, but Butler will go to two. Yeah. I know. He might have thrown a chair at yeah, you. He might, you have, said that. he might have mouthed off. He might have said a bad word or two. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, anyway, we have got we've got to go. We are desperately short on time. All right, we got big baseball weekend, so looking forward to that. There's tons of stuff going on, and the NCAA basketball tournament gets cranked up. 
this weekend. Lady Dogs, too. And you mentioned the Lady Dogs. We can give them a shout-out, Jeff. Monday at noon. Monday at noon. <laughs> First-round game <laughs> against Drexel, and then hopefully they'll take care of business. And if they do win, it'll be a Wednesday game at some point. At but we don't know point. when. Could be 8 a.m., could be midnight. <laughs> we, we just don't know. Don't know. <laughs> But best of luck to Joni and, and the, uh, the Lady awesome. Dogs. Yeah, uh, She's also fantastic. one of four finalists for National yeah. Coach of the Year. That's awesome. Yep. That is terrific. All right, again, find us in the App Store with your iPhone. Google Play with your Android. This has been episode number 179. Just moving right along. Jeff and Dave along with you. I'm from the morning show. Jeff from the home team. That's why we call ourselves the Crossover and the Crossover Podcast. We'll catch you again next week, and thanks so much for joining us here on 960 The Ref and the 960 The Ref app. You've been listening to The Crossover on 960theref.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.